Let's talk about life for a minute, all right? Who can tell me what language the New Testament was originally written in? Anybody? Greek. All right. Let's talk about the three Greek words for life. There are three, and they have everything to do with things that you know. The Bible mentions our our mind and our body and our spirit, and three words in the New Testament are translated life or, or living in that. The first one is bios. Bios. What does that sound like to you? Biology, the physical nature of the world, all right? So bios is your physical life. Everything that you can see, touch, taste, smell, it is life as you know it in the physical world. The second word, not used near as often, and and it's translated a lot of times mind or thoughts or thinking, is suke or psyche, which sounds like what? Psychology, psychiatry, all right? That is your mind. That is your elemental. It actually stands for the inner being of you. So your bios is your outer being, all right? Your psyche is your inner being. And the last word is zoe. It's a a lot of young girls are named zoe. That is the word for life. They are named life, all right? And this is the word in John chapter 10 and verse 10. I have come that you might have what? Life, zoe, and have it to the what? Full. Here's how the uh, Greeks, here's how the, the translation would be if our English didn't mess it up. Zoe would be the spark of the soul, the turning on of the inside of who you are, the birth of the new you. So let's take that back to when Uh, Nicodemus in John asked Jesus how to have, how to get a life, all right? And he said, well, you have to be born of water, something physical, biology has to occur, all right? And you have to be born of zoe, of spirit, all right? You have to be born of water and born of spirit. So when our physical lives occur, we are alive. But in the spiritual world, you are not truly alive until your soul connects with Jesus and comes to life. That is zoe, the birth of who you are on the inside, all right? And Paul has been talking about the kind of person that that we need to be in Christ, how we have joy in the storms and in the triumphs, how we should humbly consider others better than ourselves, how we should um, lift others up and not allow others to tear anyone or ourselves down, do nothing without complaining or arguing. And we have admitted not once, not twice, but three or four times in this series that we need our cups to be fully filled or fulfilled with the life, the zoe, all right, of Jesus. Because the things that we're being asked to do aren't possible. They're not possible in your bios, in your physical form, all right? They're not. You have to be filled with Christ in order to do them, all right? And so what Paul has done all through Philippians is he's told us very firmly and very heavily how we ought to live and how we ought to act to bring joy into our own lives and into the world, and that is by filling ourselves up with who God is, all right? Now he's going to encourage us as to how to move forward. Not that I have already obtained all of this. 
He says what every pastor wants to say to every congregation every day. I get it. I'm not there yet, all right? I'm straining, I'm striving, I'm studying, I'm working, I'm flying, I'm falling through this life with you, all right? That is what every pastor wants his church to hear. And Paul says, I haven't gotten there. Here's what I know. I have to get lost, all right, in the life of Jesus. That's why we ended right before this with, I believe in Jesus Christ and the power of his what? Resurrection. Not crucifixion, resurrection. Why? Because Jesus is what? Alive. And he brings life. So he says, church, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't arrived at the goal of being like Christ. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. When we break this verse down, we're always trying to figure out what the that is, okay? But the that is not a that that is a thing, all right? The that is an idea or a created thing from inside Christ. I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. So it's a reason. The reason that I exist, the reason why God called me and pulled me out. The reason why God knitted me in my mother's womb and created me to be who I am. That is what I'm chasing. So I press on to get hold of the me God wants me to be. All right? I'm chasing the me God wants me to be. I didn't say that at nine. I really like that. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So I'm not telling you anything that I'm not striving to do either. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. All right, brothers and sisters, let me repeat myself. I have not finished the race. We are all Forrest Gump in the middle of the movie of our lives. What are we doing? Running. And you know there wasn't a reason, a rhythm, a rhyme, or an explanation. He was just what? Running. And he was going to keep running, all right? And he didn't look at the crowd following him. He didn't look at the sights he was running by. We're all looking at the movie, watching him go across the bridge and in front of the lighthouses and uh, uh, through the mountains, and we're checking out the scenery. But the runner is just doing what? Running. Here's what Paul's saying. I'm running. Run with me. Run with me. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind. When you're running, you cannot look backwards. When a, when a runner runs a race, all right, he is literally focused on one thing, all right? What is it? The finish line, the goal. His eyes don't come off of the goal. Do you know why? Because if he, I would normally go like this, but I can't. If he looked to the left or if he looked to the right, all right, what's going to happen? He's going to veer out of his lane and get disqualified. He's going to veer over and trip someone else. He's going to veer over and be tripped himself. He is going to run a race like this instead of like this, and he doesn't have near as good a chance to win. That is what Paul is saying. If you want to win, eyes straight ahead and focused on what? 
Jesus Christ himself. That's why in healthy church, we say Jesus is the apex. That's why when we do our core values, the word has a twofold meaning. We're getting the word, Jesus himself, out of the word, the scriptures, because it is living and active and he is alive. So we're focused on the word. Now, here's what happens. If, if, if all of us, Jennifer, uh, if all of us, Mark, if all of us, Frida, if all of us are all running toward Jesus, laser focused in being what he wants us to be. Guess what we're all doing? Running what? Together. A community of Christ works together, lives together, and is in perfect unity together when they're all running toward the very same goal. It's not elders, it's not Craig, it's not worship, it's not buildings, it's not finances, it's not bigger and better. It is simply running toward Jesus. And we're going to talk about this in a minute, but let me be clear. It is when I say we're running toward the word, I am talking about the word of God, meaning the Bible that we read and teach from, and the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, a real life person called Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Because if you are running toward the Jesus you think Jesus should be, you're screwing it up. You hear me? You can't run toward the Jesus you think Jesus should be. The Jesus that walks, acts, and talks in a method that makes you feel more comfortable. We're going to get to that in a minute. Paul calls us out on it. So I forget what is behind. Paul has just given us his resume. He just says, if anybody deserves to be looked at as a religious, powerful uh, guy, I, I, I'm that guy. But you want to talk about what I am also? I am somebody who stoned Christians. I am somebody who tore families apart. I am somebody who executed people who believe in this guy named Jesus. And if that's all I could think about at night, I could not run. It would kill my spirit. It will kill my heart. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody in this room who's passed, who's now, whose choices dominate their thinking, their days, their nights, and they cannot live because they cannot let go? Anybody willing? I've got some things in my life like that. You guys are being eerily silent. So we've either got a room full of people who are afraid or a room full of liars. Right? But I hope that there's a few people in the room who don't raise their hand because they have this ultimate recognition that that life is gone. This is why I started with Zoe. Because I have come that you might have life and have it to the full means that you've connected with Jesus Christ and he has given you a second birth. He has caused you to have a new life. And here's what the Bible says happen, all right? If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Wiped clean. If we could let our hearts and our minds do what God has already done, you would be free and fulfilled in a way that you cannot fathom. Forget what is behind or you cannot run. Strain for what is ahead, not worried about what is going on around you. Here's the thing. Philippi was, the city that he's writing to was kind of like Rome Jr. 
The goal of the whole city was they wanted to be like Rome. They wanted to be the next Rome. They didn't want to overtake Rome. They just wanted to be as good as Rome. Rome was the center of the known universe at that time as far as the way people looked at things. All the things they had, all the things they did, all the things that they had sold at, intelligence, religion, concepts, government, it was all about Rome. And Philippi was setting the stage to be the next Rome. They were Rome's baby brother, man. And that's all they worked toward, Caesar's money, Caesar's power, Caesar is Lord. So everything going on around them was the opposite of what Paul is telling them. Don't pursue earthly gain. Don't pursue earthly wealth. Don't rise up for yourself, but treat others better than yourself. And listen, we can flip this to today. God is calling us to peace. God is calling us to hope. God is calling us to love. If you watch CNN, if you look on Facebook, if you look out at what's going on in the world, do you see peace? Or do you see chaos? Do you see clarity or do you see confusion? Do you see hopelessness or do you see hope? Do you see people rallying for what Christ wants or do you see people rallying for what self wants? Opposite what God is offering. That's why Paul says you can't look at what is around you. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for, which, for the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Now, all of us, Paul does say, I'm not there yet. But Paul does understand what, what, what I have come to understand and am continuing to learn to understand. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. So a mature believer or somebody who's in a position to be out in front of the pack a little bit. Does that make sense? All who are mature should take such a view of things. There are those, Hebrews 11, who have gone before us, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. All right, let us run the race. You with me? It's the same type of analogy. There are more mature beings who are a step, two steps, three steps ahead, not thinking for a minute that they've gotten there in their humility those who are mature should take such a view of things. And what is that view? Not the view of turning and dragging people along, but the view of keeping their eyes on Jesus and running so those behind can know where to run. A leadership thing that comes out of the design of chasing Jesus Christ, all right? And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. That is hilarious. Do you know what Paul's saying right there? Paul is saying, here's what I have to say that God says to you, and it is awesome. Chase Jesus, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly, and everything is going to be okay, and you're going to run toward Jesus. And if you don't buy into that, you're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> if your opinion is different from mine, you're entitled to your opinion, and God's going to change your mind eventually. That's what he says right here. He says, I don't mean to be arrogant, but I'm right and you're wrong, and I'm not going to worry about it. God's going to change your mind when he's ready. That literally, that is what he says there. And if some point you think differently, God's going to make that clear to you. If you're on the opposite side of me, no worries. I'm on God's team. If it, you, know, you either accept being grabbed over or you don't. I love that. He calls it like it is, but he doesn't you know, call any names or anything. Only live up to what we have already attained. Join together. And following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model, keep your, your eyes on those who live as we do. All right, look.
Do you know how greyhounds chase that rabbit around the track? It has to stay out ahead of them, and that's what they chase. What happens if that rabbit starts to go back, forth, back, forth, forward a little bit, backwards a little bit? What are those greyhounds going to do? They're going to, that, that pack that's running super fast is going to turn and bark and stumble over one another and turn and chase and then run fast down this way and then run back this way. And you're going to have this massive amount of confusion because the greyhounds don't know which way to go or how to get there. Why? Because the leader isn't leading. Now, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Here's what our world has begun to do over the last 40, 50, 60, 100, 150 years. Churches are leading. Some of them are doing good. Some of them are doing bad. All right? Some of them are teaching right. Some of them are teaching wrong. That happens. But here's what we do. When things don't go our way, we gather a certain set of people, one, two, 10, or 20, who feel the same way we feel. And around that set of people, we build our values. And then 10 of those 20 people decide that they don't believe exactly what these people believe. And so they gather the ones that believe what they believe, and they go over here, and they go over here. And it's happened over and over again. Hence, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, Church Disciples of Christ, Church of Christ, Church of Christ American Standard, Church of Christ Velveteen Rabbit, whatever you want. But it's still happening now with everything that's going on in our world. We've divided ourselves by what we believe in and what we don't. Well, I'm a homeschooler. Well, I'm a non-homeschooler. Well, I'm a vaccinator. Well, I'm a non-vaccinator. Well, I'm a homeschooling non-vaccinator. Okay. Well, I'm a homeschooling non-vaccinating not mask wear. Well, I'm a homeschooling non-vaccinating mask wear. Well, I'm a mask wearing not homeschooling, not educational Republican. Well, you can't be in anything. Am I wrong? We pick and choose the people we want around us based on what we want and who shares those mutual values. This is sinful, and I am about to come down with a thunder on it because Paul calls us out. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies to the cross of Christ. You don't have real tears unless what? The people, who are the people that hurt you the most? The ones you love the most, the people that you're closest to. Paul is not talking about sinners running around out there sinning. Paul is talking about saints living in their sin. And it kills him because he loves them. And folks, let me tell you, the pain is real. The pain is absolutely real. When we fall for you and we watch you grow and we want you to be loved, but listen to me, and I am not targeting, I, I am not trying to make anybody angry, I am calling a spade a spade, sky is blue, water is wet, listen to me. It destroys my soul when I hear people talk about how they love Jesus, and I look online and there are three new jet skis and not a penny in the tithe box. Breaks my heart. I see people praising how much their children love to be in children's ministry and love it and never serve a day. I said, well, Craig, that's not fair. I didn't say it. Jesus did. 
What do you mean Jesus did? These are the words of the amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were either one or the other, but because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, you can't choose if you want to live in sin and say in sin, or if you want to live for Jesus and live it to the fullest. But you people who are saying you love Jesus and living in sin, you are the lukewarm I'm talking about. And God says, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. You have to keep your eyes on the prize. You have to turn your eyes up on Jesus. And if your eyes are on badminton, or if your eyes are on cheerleading, or if your eyes are on dancing, if your eyes are on singing, or anything else, if everything you say and everything that you post is about money, if everything you say and everything you post is about your spouse, your God is wrong. And that is what he's saying. And he's saying it with tears. He is not angry. He is broken. And I get it. I get it. He's saying the problem in Philippi is not the people chasing Rome. The problem is the people who are saved and chasing us who are acting like they're chasing Rome. And people come in and go, I don't have to live any different. Why, why would I take on this new thing? I don't have to live any different. They don't. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomachs, their own personal desire for what is right or wrong. And this is what I was talking about. I am watching our nation, good and bad, for better or worse. I'm watching, I'm watching us twist the gospel of Jesus Christ to make it what we think it ought to be. We have twisted what real love is. Do you know the main thing we've taken out of love in our culture? Can anybody tell me? What is the number one thing we have removed from true love? Discipline. I can walk you through a million reasons why this is true. You want a love, and I say you as the world, that has no discipline. Feels better. It's easier. And it is destructive. And we're watching it play out in the lives of our children and our grandchildren and our children's children right now. I am not. I don't care if you're offended at me or not. What's happening now is simply a lack of discipline and a lack of understanding that God never changes, his rules never change, and just because somebody wants it to be different doesn't mean you can change him to make it that way. Their destiny is destruction, their God is in their stomach, their cravings, their personal desires, and their glory is in, ready, their shame. Because here's what I know, if you're hiding it all, you can mask it in public, but you're miserable in private because you weren't made for that. He who began a good work in you, Philippians chapter 1, will be faithful to carry it on to completion. Their mind is on earthly things, and you have to decide where your loyalties lie. Paul, but our citizenship is in heaven. I am not, I am not a, a, just an American. I am not just a Russian. I am not just a Frenchman. I am not bound. I live under the authority of the place that God has put me or chosen to live. But my citizenship, who I am from the day I became a believer and Zoe rose up in me, I now have an eternal life that does not belong here. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It is unleashed and I get 
all that God has created for me. I eagerly await a Savior from heaven. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our calling as believers. And this is what we're chasing. And it must be nothing less. So let me, he- let me give you a warning. I've sat in my office and had families come into me and there's this group of people that hang out together, this group of people that hang out together. It's always fluid. Our church has done a really good job. Caught one. Our church has done, it hurt. Our church has done a really good job of, 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 of you know, people come together and, and there's never really been that, that, that real clicky thing that we've had to talk about. There are friends who are more friends than others. And then sometimes those groups morph and accept someone else or someone moves away and there are other groups that morph and then accept someone else and moves. But we've all got the two or three people in our church family and maybe outside of our church family that we hang out with the most. And those are ever changing over the last five years. But here's the, I've had this conversation in my office more than once. People are hanging out together, and they'll come in and they'll say something about so-and-so or something about so-and-so, and and the staff will look out at it, and we'll put our hands on our faces, and we'll start praying, all right? Because here's the deal. Who do you rise to? Remember that thing that that says you are are like the, the five closest people to you, all right? Who's the spiritual leader in your gaggle? Because that is as high as you're going to get. And if you're all on the same level, do you know what you're going to do? Go in circles. If you're begging people who believe what you believe to be next to you, you'll only ever always believe what you believe today. The Greyhound track is just doing this. Never moving toward the finish line. Just doing this. And you all are just... And we've watched it happen. We've watched marriages almost fall apart because of it. We've watched friendships absolutely fall apart because of it. It is why choosing elders and every year except this year because COVID's keeping us from it, choosing small group leaders and setting up homes for that to happen in, it's why it's so hard and so important to us. It's why we can't just say, hey, everybody out there, grab four friends and, and, and go. I can't do it. I can't do it not because I don't love you. I can't do it because I do. And if I don't have somebody running out in front of you, there's no sense in you showing up. I've said it all along. I'd rather have three elders than I believe in than 12 elders that I'm afraid of. And I'm waiting for God to rise up the next two, three, five. But if I ask you if you want it and you say absolutely, you're either incredibly in Christ or incredibly stupid. Because the responsibility of the Zoe, the life, the new soul of everybody in this room is on your shoulders. Church, never forget that. I love the race. I love running it with you. I love carrying you. I do not love tripping and falling, but I will continue to do so. However, you've got to understand that when we get to the gates, Jesus isn't going to ask you about my life, but he will ask me about yours. Okay? Not that I have already obtained this, but one thing I do. Forget the past. All right? It's past. Fix your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face 
and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Riots, racism, politics, drugs, alcohol, abuse, children being lost, all those things will pale in comparison. The light will shine in the darkness. Ready? And the darkness will not understand it. Keep the faith. Run the race. As my boys from ETW back in the 80s said, keep the race, run the face, run the, keep the faith, run the race, keep moving at a steady pace. I'm white, I can't do it. <laughs> and I can't move, so. Mother Teresa said, God never called me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. I think Dory said it best. Just keep swimming. I love you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the life of Paul and for the surrender that he found. I pray that every day as I look at myself, I'm further along than I was yesterday. I pray that our church would literally take hold of what Jordan Peterson says when he says, stop comparing yourself to others, but compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Stop comparing yourself to others, but compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Let that be our goal, that tomorrow we are one step, two steps, ten steps ahead of where we were today as we run toward Jesus and send us leaders who are just out in front of the pack chasing Jesus with all that they are. God, make you, cause you to be our focus, to be our treasure, our God. All these things we ask in the precious name of Jesus, and amen.